It's always good to do baby dedications, even though Ezra didn't want to cooperate with me this morning. He's still a good boy. <laughs> and that is, it is a joy, though. Weddings, baby dedications, funerals can even be a glorious time. And tonight we're going to celebrate, of course, uh, the fact that Chuck has gone on to be with the Lord. So we're going to have a little dinner time. It will be lengthy, so don't feel like you got to come in and stay till from beginning moment to end moment. Uh, but just come and enjoy a meal together. Hear some of uh, the singers, some of the speakers, and uh, when you're ready, just go on home. <laughs> so, but we will. We'll come together at 6:30 for that. We're in Genesis chapter 39 this morning. Chapter 38, we saw how God placed the people that He wanted in the lineage of His Son, the Messiah. Ur and Onan, the sons of Judah. God himself killed them because they were wicked. And I think because God didn't want them in the lineage of his son. He didn't want them to have any do, anything to do with Jesus coming through them. The choosings of God are solely his. And, and they're completely at his own discretion. Don't ever try to figure out who is and who is not chosen of God because God will um, show you your foolishness in that. Um, I invariably will prejudge somebody and God will just show me that, hey, yeah, he, he has chosen them regardless of what I think. <laughs> and But we know that God is full of mercy. We know that he's full of grace Yet he has this just side of himself. And every now and then in scripture, we will read how he does as he pleases. And he doesn't ask for man's approval to do as he pleases. And when you get older, like myself, your memories and thoughts, they will take you back. Sometimes to what we call bad decision or past sins and when God does that when he will take me back to a specific bad decision or sin I always repent of it afresh and anew now I know that I've been forgiven already that the blanket of forgiveness has been thrown out there but I like when God brings my attention my remembrance back onto one particular I like to repent of it just to let the Lord know, one, that I appreciate his forgiveness and that I have a right standing with him. And keep me, Lord, from never doing that sin again. Uh, it's therapeutic for me to do this. And uh, so I do that. And when we read, though, about Ur and Onan being killed by God because they were wicked... It makes me appreciate the fact that I'm still alive. <laughs> God hasn't killed me yet. And God's grace is towards me. And in chapter 38, if nothing else, it is very sobering. Uh, it's a sobering reminder that we are now under the new covenant of grace. And for that, we should be 
very thankful. But then with chapter 39, we come to back to Joseph. Uh, uh, and Joseph is a favorite character of many of us that are believers. We see Joseph going through trial after trial. Uh, Joseph has passed through now. He's down in Egypt. He's passed through the foolishness of wanting to share his dreams with mom and dad and his brothers and everybody and how he doesn't handle that very well. But now we're going to see Joseph go through uh, very difficult, very severe trials because God is developing into Joseph the character that is needed for him to rule a nation. And so let's pick up Genesis chapter 39 And we'll read the first nine verses. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had he put under Joseph's authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused. And he said to his master's wife, Look, My master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you. Because you are his wife, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Uh, Joseph... He's been sold to an Egyptian, Potiphar. Potiphar is a man of power. He is captain of the guard, as we read, or basically he he is the chief of police. Joseph, he has to learn the culture of Egypt. He's got to learn their ways, their power structure, how things are done. He even has to learn the language. And... And this takes years. We read about it in a moment, but we have 15 to 20 years going by from the time Joseph is sold into slavery until he's thrown into prison. We know it's 22 years total time, but it's about 18 years or so that Joseph has been learning to be an Egyptian. But we only read about it briefly in a moment. And we read how the Lord was with Joseph, and the Lord made all of Joseph's work to prosper. 
Joseph. He's doing menial type work at first, of course. He's being a servant. He's being a slave for Potiphar, an Egyptian. We never read of Joseph saying, Why me, Lord? But he would not be human if he didn't have those questions in his mind. He has to wonder why all these things are coming upon him. However, Joseph, he's faithful. He's faithful to apply himself diligently, regardless of his circumstances, regardless of any questions or wondering in his mind. He is being the best servant that he can be. He's being a slave with no rights to an Egyptian. Now, an Egyptian was a person, were a people with no regard for the things of God. And yet we have a man of God there in Egypt serving chief of police. Joseph didn't get to choose who bought him. You and I do not get to choose who our masters are in life. When's the last time you got to select your boss? <laughs> not too often. Have you ever uh, realized that you are exactly where God wants you for the present time in your life? God doesn't make mistakes. He's a big enough God that he puts us right where he wants us, right in the time that he wants us there. And with Joseph, God is working in his life. And he's also working in your life and in my life to bring about his desires. Because when we became a Christian, we sold our rights, you might say, over to the Lord. We give ourselves over to the Lord, and he give us eternal life. It's a good deal. <laughs> and any of us, when we look back upon our life and we realize the missed opportunities, and I look back on my life sometimes, and I was in business for about 12, 13 years, and I look back on, there were several opportunities in there to become very rich with just certain deals if they would have fell in the right way. But they didn't. It is critical for me to understand God had a better plan for me than riches and wealth. And we don't always see that, do we? Joseph found favor in the eyes of Potiphar. And Potiphar has made Joseph the overseer of his household over everything that he owns any of his business deals or anything like that. And it says that God blessed Potiphar because of Joseph. Potiphar is extremely successful, and he knows why. It's that servant, it's that slave of mine that God is blessing, and I am the one benefiting. It's good when the people around us can see God's blessings upon our lives. 
We aren't to hide it. We aren't to be uh, boastful or braggadocious, but we are to let it be known, God has blessed my life. And I, I am a blessed man that stands before you. God has blessed me, and I am very content and happy where God has me. Uh, Potiphar, he is so trusting of Joseph that his only concern centers around this. What am I going to eat for dinner? That's a pretty good easy life. <laughs> well, I think I'll have barbecue. No, Chinese food tonight. No, <laughs> you know, that was his big concern of life, what to have for dinner. That's pretty simplistic life to leave. But Potiphar knows Joseph. He has proven Joseph. Potiphar was not stupid. Uh, he has proven Joseph through, I think, what were probably many tests. Should I trust this slave of mine? Is he worthy of my trust? Uh, because I don't know about you, but I would never put all of my assets into anyone else's hands that I did not trust. So Potiphar, trust Joseph. Um, Potiphar didn't rise to the position that he had in Egypt, an officer in Pharaoh's court, by being foolish and for trusting people that he shouldn't trust. Uh, we would call Potiphar a man that is very street wise. Why? Because he dealt with the criminal element. That was his job, to deal with those, uh, how to keep law and order in Egypt. So Potiphar, he knew the scams that criminals like to pull. He knew that many men are thieves. He knew these things, yet Joseph rose to the position of trust in Potiphar's life. Potiphar has learned his craft well, and he has learned to completely trust in Joseph. Now, it didn't take one or two years. It probably took 15 to 20 years for this to come about. Uh, bear this. Bear in mind now how much Potiphar trusts Joseph as we move through the saga of Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Potiphar trusts Joseph. Most scholars believe Potiphar uh, has been made a eunuch by the Pharaoh, and it was not uncommon in that uh, part of the world in that time in Egypt. And Potiphar being a eunuch, it will play into Potiphar's wife pursuing Joseph. Verse 7, it says, Potiphar's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. <laughs> Can't you see some Hollywood movie director getting a, getting a hold of that verse? <laughs> you know, what did she look like when she cast these longing eyes? You know, who knows? <laughs> and if that wasn't bad enough, she blurts out, lie with me. And this is not uh, a liar's contest we're talking about. She's talking about seducing Joseph. So understand <laughs> the lie with him. Back in verse 6, we read that Joseph was handsome in form 
and appearance. You know the Bible only speaks of three men as being handsome in, the, in form and appearance? Only three guys. Joseph, David, and Absalom. That's the only three that are mentioned as being handsome in form and appearance. And it appears only Joseph handles it well. <laughs> David, King David, uh, had many wives, and uh, part of that fell on the fact that he was handsome in appearance. Women were drawn to David, and he seemed to have a difficulty dealing with that. Absalom, David's son, he would use his good looks for political gain. I once heard a woman say that she voted for Bill Clinton to be president simply because she thought he was a good-looking man. And I said, now that's sort of shallow. <laughs> but good looks help you get through life. Or it can be an albatross. Joseph is the only one that handles his good looks without it going to his head. He is a slave, but God will advance him. Verse 9, we read Joseph saying, No one is greater or more trusted in all of Potiphar's house than me. Joseph realized his position of trust, and he did not want to break that trust. And he tells Potiphar's wife, You are the only thing that your husband has held back from me. And that's because you are his wife. And then we have what I think is the moral question of the ages for all believers. And here's what Joseph says to Potiphar's wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against Potiphar? No, sin against God. Joseph asked Potiphar's wife, how can I lie with you and sin against God? David, one of the other handsome men of Scripture, after his adultery with Bathsheba, after he has put Uriah on the front line and had him killed, David makes a confession. and His confession is, against you, God, and you alone have I sinned. And I want to say, well, how about Bathsheba and Uriah? You kind of sinned against them too, David. But David understood all sin is first and foremost against God. Joseph realized this also. When a believer realizes, any of us, that our sin and our nature to sin is contrary to God who loves us, it should cause us to stop and think. That realization that sin is against God should make us run to our Lord Jesus for forgiveness and for comfort. Last week we read in chapter 38 that God killed Herb because he was wicked. And then he killed Onan, his brother, and he killed him for sexual sin. And now we read Joseph, and it's such a refreshing change. Joseph, he cannot commit adultery. He cannot do this with Potiphar's wife. He says, I cannot do this great wickedness in the eyes of my God. 
And it's good for you and I to read of the righteousness of Joseph and how he does not fall to temptation. He does not succumb to sin. And here's something, I don't know if you've given it thought. Potiphar's wife had to be stunningly beautiful or this story would have no meaning. She was a knockout. She was not what we call an ugly woman. (laughs) Uh, Potiphar's He's a eunuch, more than likely. Joseph, he's a young, vibrant man, and God says he's a good-looking young man. And it would have been very, very easy for Joseph to justify, to make an excuse to fall into sin. But God is developing in Joseph a righteous character, a godly character, that will be needed when Joseph rises to power in Egypt. Now, the Egyptian society was known as a sinful society, a promiscuity-type society. And the Pharaoh, he has made many of his trusted officials, eunuchs, for the very reason that he wanted to be able to trust his men. And when we love God, you and I, when we as believers love God above the pleasures of life, to avoid temptation becomes a top priority in our life. But if you don't love God, then his desires don't mean that much to you. Joseph loved God. We find that out because he says, how can I do this evil thing? Because it's against God. And Joseph doesn't want to offend God with his life. It's easy for us to justify sinning against one another. Why? Because you have flaws. I have flaws. And we're quick to notice these. But how can you sin against God who has been nothing but good to you? See, it takes the whole temptation to another level. It gets our eyes off of ourselves and onto God who has been nothing but good to us. Joseph understood that his adultery would not just be against Potiphar only. And he could have reasoned. I didn't choose to be a slave. I didn't choose to be sold to Potiphar. I had nothing to do with coming down to Egypt. And he could have said, fate has placed me here in this situation with Potiphar's wife, this neglected, beautiful woman. And hey, all I could do was sin. That would have been an easy justification in most of our minds. But Joseph's whole environment has been controlled by others. And he could have said, why not just take advantage of this situation? But God has caused Joseph to realize that his sin of adultery would be against God himself. 
And that is what keeps Joseph from sinning. The truth, the knowledge that God is for us and that he loves us should keep us from sinning. Many times we fall into temptation when we begin to question God's love towards us or when we choose to purposely forget how much God loves us. We can usually very giftedly avoid the thought that God loves me. God does not forbid the pleasures of sin to keep us from enjoying life. God forbids sin because he knows that it brings hardship and death. That's why God says don't sin. You're not going to like the results of sin. Don't do it. Back in the Garden of Eden, when Satan came to Eve... He caused Eve to doubt God's love and God's goodness to her. Eve, you just eat of this tree, partake of this sin, you will not surely die. And Eve was deceived. She believed that lie. And her disobedience has had an effect on every human being on earth. Her sin brought about Adam's sin. Now, Adam had his own mind, but he he chose to sin, which brought about hardship and death for all of mankind. We call it the fall. Sin is never committed in a vacuum. It affects those around us. It affects multitudes. And one of Satan's biggest lies to us when we're tempted is no one will ever hear of this secret sin. Just just enjoy yourself. Joseph would not listen to that lie. Verse Verse 9, How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph wouldn't do it. For Joseph, simply knowing that God would see his sin, it stops him from sinning. Tonight, we're going to do our podcast, our broadcast of Chuck Smith. Chuck, the founder of Calvary Chapels. To me, Chuck's greatness was not as the founder of Calvary Chapels, But Chuck, in my opinion, his greatness was in the limelight for years and years and years. There's never a hint of shame or sin, overt sin in Chuck's life. He remained faithful to God. Were there opportunities for Chuck to sin? Without a doubt. But Chuck withstood The temptation. I look at Billy Graham the same way. There's never been a hint of scandal on Billy Graham. Great men of God. And they never tarnish their image even in a 
slightest bit. Which causes me, your pastor, to pray this prayer. Help me, Lord, to remain faithful to you. I pray that I will not shame this fellowship. I pray that I will not shame my family. And I pray that I especially will not shame my God by committing some foolish act of sin. I don't want to do that. And I hope that's your prayer too. Amen. Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father, I thank you for the example of Joseph. I thank you that you were so loving, so willing to work in his life. And I thank you for Joseph being able to see that you were working in his life and that you give him that determination in his heart and life not to sin against you. And so we have a beautiful example of this young man who forsakes sin because he couldn't sin against you. Help that to be a determining factor in our lives, Lord. Let us live that pure life before you. We, we sing the song, Create in us a clean heart, and we want that, Lord. We do not want to go the way of the world. We do not want to sin against you, Lord. So we ask you to help us. Refresh our memories of how good you are to us, Lord, when we're tempted. Lord, we would pray that you would keep us up as a pure people unto yourself. We pray that we would be faithful towards you, Lord. Find pleasure in us, your people, we pray. And we pray and ask for this in your name, Jesus.